Welcome to The Big Rich Show. This podcast will focus on conversations with friends and acquaintances within the four-wheel drive industry. Many of the people that I will be interviewing, you may know the name, you may know some of the history, but let's get in depth with these people and find out what truly makes them a four-wheel drive enthusiast. So now's the time to sit back, grab a cold one, and enjoy our conversation. Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two. Maxxis tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis tires deliver. Choose Maxxis. Dread victoriously. Why should you read Four Low Magazine? Because Four Low Magazine is about your lifestyle, the four-wheel drive adventure lifestyle that we all enjoy. Rock crawling, trail riding, event coverage, vehicle builds, and do-it-yourself tech all in a beautifully presented package. You won't find Four Low on the newsstand rack, so subscribe today and have it delivered to you. All right, on today's edition of Conversations with Big Rich, we have Eric Falar, one of the famous Falarski brothers. Eric has been around in the off-road 4x4 industry for a really long time, the builder of a couple of really badass rigs that we'll talk about, and then also raced Jeep Speed, is a comedian at heart, and <laughs> let's get started. So thank you so much for coming on board this morning, Eric. Hopefully you're, you're healthy and, and happy, and are you still the mayor? <laughs> Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, Rich. I mean, I don't know how you must really be grasping at straws to bring me on, but <laughs> I am. <a> man. <laughs> I am still the mayor. I'm very yeah. I'm still super active in my little local community here. But excellent. All all very happy and healthy and and happy. I'll put an exclamation point on it. So we're. I'm always uh always super stoked to be uh, just out and about having a good time and love what I do and love being uh, love being me, man. Awesome. Let's get jump right into it with both feet. Where did you grow up? Um, well, uh, well, I'm still growing up. What do you mean? Yeah. Okay. Where were you <laughs> born and where did you go to school? <laughs> I was uh, I was born and raised in a tiny little beach community called Ventura, California, in, in Southern California there. I, I grew up and my, my dad owned an auto parts store, a big A auto parts store. Actually, in fact, my whole family... Um, from my great uncle and every and great aunt, where all came from kind of auto parts, and I and here I am still working for Motive Gear, still in auto parts essentially. My my great aunt and uncle had a big part of AC Delco way back in the day before that sold to a uh, to a conglomerate, and uh, and then eventually uh, uh, had a chain or or owned part or bought into the chain of Big A Auto Parts, and then one day my my dad also followed suit and owned his own Big A Auto Parts, and that's where I grew up crawling around on diapers, sweeping floors and, and stocking shelves and, uh, and auto parts stores. So it, uh, I just, you know, I, get, I don't know if it's in the blood or you just can't get out of the industry. I think you can't get out of the industry. <laughs> yeah. I spent some time in auto parts, but oh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a, I don't know. I, I think it's fun. It, it's a, uh, it's ever changing. And, uh, uh, you know, you stick with it long enough, you get to do all the fun stuff that, that I do these days, you know? Yep. Yeah, I, I, I walked away from auto parts when I started. I retired from a real job 
when uh, when I left um, CSK Auto Parts, which is now part of O'Reilly's, um, ah. to start Calrox back in so you're kind of you're kind of what put us out of business then because <laughs> well I was only there a year I was a, there a year in like four days mm. they didn't I, did, I mean I did my share of working at a Pet Boys and I think I did an O'Reilly's or maybe it was a Checkers back then but I think they're the same. Yeah. Um, but that was what eventually kind of put us, uh, the, the, my dad's business eventually under is, is, you know, Riley's opened up directly across the street and, and a real auto parts guy kind of wasn't necessary anymore. You could hire any, any joker kid off the street and he could ask you the color of his car and that kind of thing and, <laughs> and uh, get you the wrong part. And then you just come back and return it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With the grease prints when you figure it out, figure it out that it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so how long did you spend in Ventura? Um, I actually grew so I grew up in Ventura all the way through high school. Um uh and eventually um moved to Phoenix, Arizona when I was uh almost 18, I think, or or at least right at 18 to go to school. I went to a Universal Technical Institute, which was the only I think the only one they had back then. Now there's a bunch of those schools. Um and then uh and then from there, went to Colorado and then moved back to Ventura. And, you know, um, and here I am and still in Southern California, 150 miles away from there out here in the desert. So I could go uh, so I could be closer to all the rock crawling and desert stuff. Yep, absolutely. And Southern California has it. That's for sure. Yeah. Yes. That, that's everyone can complain about Southern California. I don't mind paying the taxes for 350. Well, I mean, I do mind paying the taxes. <laughs> I don't mind paying <laughs> My share of the taxes for 350 days of sunshine, and I could be, I can be at the hammers. I can go you know, from my house. I can be at the hammers in the morning, go surfing in the afternoon, skiing later that day, and down in Baja before you know before sunset. So I I love that little Wildemar, California that I live into. It's it's the best out here. Yeah, I I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. Went to college in Santa Barbara. Spent a lot of time, you know, three and a half, four years down in in that Ventura, Oxnard, Santa Barbara area, yeah. right on. And, and then uh, went up, worked in San Francisco for a little bit, and then went up into the foothills to Placerville. So I understand the whole, at least three of those: surf in the morning, water ski, snow ski. Yeah, the only totally. thing I couldn't, you know, hit the Rubicon. The only thing I couldn't do was get to Baja. Nine hours from the Baja. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a rough yeah. life. Too bad. Uh, too bad. Politics have gone the way they have in that state. Otherwise, yeah, it, total bummer. Yep. Anyhow, so um, what was your first exposure to to off road? Hmm. Um, literally born into it. Um, and I'll take that one step further. I was, I was uh, my bro- my twin brother and I, Ryan, yep, were uh, uh, conceived uh, in the you know, <laughs> mom and dad liked the party. They were conceived <laughs> in a, in a uh, we were conceived in the back of a Chevy love truck on uh, Pismo Beach, um, which is, if anybody knows Pismo Beach, is it right now, within the next five years, it'll be gone. But it, it was the only beach in California that you can still drive on and go run the dunes and that kind of stuff. But yeah, literally conceived. Um, and I won't tell my mom I told you this, but uh, like I, <laughs> I've got three three brothers and sisters that were on a, a sheet of plywood on top of the bed, while they were underneath it, you know, making whoopee and, <laughs> and 
<laughs> but yeah, so uh, and the reason we you know we went to the dunes because we had uh, my dad was big into Volkswagen Bajas, Baja bugs. Right. And uh, so we'd flat tail, you know, every, the kids would sit in the back of the, you know, drive two hours from Ventura or Oxnard and, and uh, in the back of a Chevy Love flat tailing a Baja bug and we go ripping shit up and in, in, uh, in the dunes. So that's and that's how we grew up. We grew up on ATCs and dirt bikes and that kind of stuff going everywhere from like uh, San Francisco Canyon or, or like the Canyonlands uh, area that was close to Ventura. And then, you know. I remember spending a ton of time in Pismo. That was like our go-to. It was always fun to just go blast the dunes. Now, back then the dunes were big. Now they're only like a couple miles long. Back then they were, you know, it was a long, you know, long stretch of the beach that you still got to drive on. Right. Now I can remember my first, one of my first trips down to Santa Barbara to drop my, uh, all my stuff off when I was going to college down there. I, I had a 54 Volkswagen bug. It was a street car. But I decided to take it on the sand dunes on the way down. I had the passenger seat out, and the back seat was already decked out. And it it was full of all of my stuff, my stereo system and everything else. And I went and played on the on the beaches down there. And yeah, you could. You, it was long, it was long drive. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, if you stay in the small stuff, you could probably take, you know, a street bug down there and – and have a great time as long as you can get across that one water crossing. Yeah, that was a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I got across it twice, but uh, it was quite the surprise the first time I hit it. Didn't realize it was as deep as it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. But yeah, that's how we. Uh, that's how I was introduced. Was probably you know, besides Volkswagen Baja bugs and and um, uh, uh, ATCs. Man, we had those ATCs. It was it was probably like a one. 15 or a 185 i don't know what it was but didn't have the front suspension you know we didn't we didn't have anything fancy but those things will i kind of still wish i had one so i could put my kids on there and let them beat themselves up but without a front suspension there's big bubble tires and they just beat the beat the teeth out of you right so you grew up and you survived that I, i'll bet you drank out of garden hoses too yeah riding yeah. in the back of a I pickup truck Without I definitely belts. love those memes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We grew up in the back of a pickup truck. Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. So, when you were going to school, mm -hmm. did you participate in any sports or any school activities, or was it all about work? Working at the deck no, at the I shop. Was a, um, I was definitely not a uh, scholar student. I was kind of a poor student. I like to. Uh, I want to say just in high school, but I'm pretty sure it was my entire school career. I liked screwing off more than I liked going to school. And I don't tell my kids that. I always tell them what a great student I was. But I, uh, in high school, I was a, I was not a sports guy. So not, I could always, uh, me and my buddy Ron always joke about, you know, one ball sports versus two ball sports. And I'm a, <laughs> I'm a two ball sports guy. Yeah, yeah you know, Ron. Yes. I'm a two ball sports guy. You know, if you've got a sport that takes two balls to, to do it, like off-road racing, count me in. But one ball sports isn't enough for me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I was just a big, you know, I was a Jeep dork. I, uh, you know, as in a, as a freshman, I, I couldn't wait to get my driver's license. And, and probably, you know, before that always cracks me up when I think about it. But I've seen, uh, and everybody has seen the movie Back to the Future. Right. And when I saw... Um, I forget what's his name, but um, when I saw Marty McFly's black Toyota, yep. I had the biggest boner for that thing, man. A shiny <laughs> black Toyota on probably like 33s or something. And I that was my that was going to be my car when I got you know I was going to do that. I was going to get a Toyota and lift it. And uh, my dad luckily saved me from that because he goes, 
he says, uh, you can do whatever you want, son, but uh, I won't help you buy, a, you know, a foreign car. But if you get a domestic car like a Jeep or a Chevy, then I'll front the money and you can pay me back. So I was like, well, that answers that question. Sounds like we're getting a Jeep. Yeah, so your gotta, dad saved you. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I'd be running around in first gear, screaming off the RP, off the rev limiter and thousand to one ratios right now, probably if it, if it wasn't for that. Exactly. So, but yeah, other than that, and I mean, in high school, no sports, uh, just Jeep stuff. Once I finally got a Jeep, all I did was, you know, I wasn't a very good student. So I drove Jeeps and chased, you know, tail and uh, probably, you know, did some recreational other things. It was all fun. But my dad used to always tell me, you know, if you ever knock it, you know, he said, if you, if you fall over and crack your head open, I've got a bunch of pussies that run out. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, was Ryan there right there with you doing all this or? Yeah. Yeah. We both had a, in high school back then, um, we kind of ran in different crowds. I was a little more uh, rough around the edges or I don't know what it was. More of the wild child. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would probably get, never got in like go to jail crazy you know trouble or anything but but i wasn't afraid to go out and party and and figure things out and uh uh ryan was a little more mellow like that but we still had jeeps so on the weekends when dad and dad had a jeep you know we would all go jeeping together and then come monday morning i'd be figuring out how to write my you know dismissal from class and sign (laughs) my dad's name so i could go out and do whatever it was that i was doing in those days see what i did in high school is i joined yearbook staff and oh, so as a photographer, and I was able to write passes for me and my friends to go do whatever we wanted, because I just put on there that we're, you know, we're going out to do yearbook stuff. And the yeah, teachers were all like, go ahead and do it. Plus, it it, it got me all four years of uh, my English requirement. But that's probably why <laughs> I speak the way I do and write the way I do. <laughs> yeah, see, you're a lot smarter than I was, because I would just try and be home around the time I knew that the attendance lady would call. <laughs> and I can only imagine back then when I would answer the phone and be like, hello. <laughs> that probably sounded like a eight year old answering the phone. Hello. Yeah, no, I'm his dad. <laughs> uh, too funny. So then um, what was your first vehicle then? You, you said Jeeps. Um, yeah. My first vehicle was a 1981 Jeep CJ seven that I think we bought for like $3,200, which is hilarious because you can't touch a CJ7 for less than half of that now, even if it's barely running. Yeah, so CJ7, and uh, I want to say it already had like a lift and tires on it. I think it already had a lift and 33-inch tires. And like I said, I had that boner for 33-inch tires, which was, a you know, those were monster truck tires back then. Yep. Um and I remember my dad would always complain. Anything that happened to that Jeep, I'd be like, oh, man, I burned the clutch up because probably I didn't wasn't very good at driving clutches back then. And he'd be <laughs> like, it's those goddamn big tires. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, Dad. And then, uh, you know, he'd run out of we, – we'd go on family vacations. We'd drive all the way to Colorado when we were 16. You know, I'd be in my Jeep. My brother would be in his Jeep. My mom and dad in their Jeep. And we were up, the, you know, heading off to go do, like, the Telluride tour. And Telluride? tour and there was some other rotary thing but anyway uh we would go up there and we'd camp for two weeks and that was our family vacation three three goofballs in a jeep or, or or three and mom three goofballs in a jeep and mom 
they had, well, they had five speeds. I only had a four speed. So top it all off, I'm like burning way more fuel. But the second I would run out of fuel, I'd be like, those goddamn big tires. I told you. <laughs> oh, God, all right. Whatever. <laughs> but then uh, I had that. I only had that for like a couple of years. And then when I was 17, so probably not you know, less than a couple of years, really. When I was 17, and I'll tell you, if anyone's listening and can remember this magazine article, he'd really do me a, a solid which is funny because I know no one's going to listen to this one, Rich. Sorry. Oh, that, that's not correct. <laughs> but yeah, there was a magazine article of a Cherokee chief back in, let's see, that would have been, this would have been like 93-ish or somewhere around there. So 1993, there was a, an article in one of the off-road magazines, probably like Peterson's or something. And it was a uh, an all-desert race uh, Cherokee chief. Um, so like a seven late seventies Cherokee chief and it was all red. And I remember, I mean, I can, it's in my, it's burned in my soul. It's a, uh, it was called, the article was called cherry bomb because everything was red hmm. and it was this, you know, the, the center fold was this, uh, red, you know, bright red, uh, Cherokee chief just cutting off of this lip and sending it. And when I read that and saw that, I was like, that's that's what I want to do. I want I want to go desert racing. I want to do it with this Cherokee because this thing is awesome. And then so I ended up trading my eighty one uh, CJ seven straight across with another guy that had a seventy seven Cherokee Chief. And uh, then it turned out that I was only sixteen or seventeen and didn't have the money to do any of that stuff. So <laughs> so now I'm now I'm back to jeeping and rock crawling and this big you know, junkie Cherokee chief. But if anybody can find that article, I would love to see it. And I, cause I still want to build that exact vehicle. And now, now I've got the money to do it. So I'll bet we, I'll um, bet somebody will find it. Yeah. Please somebody contact me with the race Cherokee from the nineties. <laughs> awesome. Cherry bomb. So Cherry, then that was the article. Yeah. So that's probably the vehicle that you took to Phoenix. Yes, yes. Did it, did it have AC working? No, it absolutely did not. And I tell you, I have such like fond memories of uh, of the of living in Phoenix for that few years, and all of the people that I've met, and all the people that I, you know I still am such great friends with. But while I was there, I could not have been more uh, disappointed because <laughs> it was so hot. And, you know, I'm driving this big, dopey Jeep Cherokee that didn't, I don't even know if it ever had air conditioning, or I might've been dumb enough to turn it into an air compressor pump at that point. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and yeah, so that's at 18 years, I'm, I'm driving around a gas hog and although gas was good back then and it's 120, which is something a beach kid has never experienced in his life. <laughs> um, yeah. So like I said, but it's a dry heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, See, and I live where it's hot now, and I'll tell I, I tell people, but well, it's a dry heat. Don't worry, and they they don't get it. Now I get it. <laughs> yeah, what I always say about a dry heat, so is my oven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I you know where I live now, I go you know it, it'll be 114 at the worst. It'll get to like 100 and the 110 teens here, and only for like a week. But as long as you're not working on a car. Everything's awesome, man. You can drink beer in the shade all day at 114, and it's really not that bad. Especially if you mar- if you're married, you have all that time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, 
what was your uh, your major? Well, you were at a Universal Technical Institute there. So, what was? Uh, did you oh, yeah. have a a direction you went with that? Um, I mean, so like I said, we I grew up in auto parts. I grew up as a car dork. My dad was a car dork. Um, he kind of like I, I probably could have skipped going there in hindsight, but you know, I, I think I I like to think I still used that degree. Uh, it was automotive and diesel technology, which is still like I still sell, you know, automotive drivetrain parts for motor gear. And we have a heavy duty um, side called Transamerican and we sell Transamerica, uh, Transamerica uh, um, uh, heavy duty drivetrain parts. So I still use both of those um, on my daily routine because I, I when I'm not in the office, I'm, I'm usually inside this office um, talking on the phone and doing tech calls and sales and that kind of stuff one week. And then the next week I'm out on the road, uh, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies and that kind of stuff. But I still got to go and use all that heavy duty lingo. And I, I still always enjoy the the light duty side because that's my, that's still my passion as far as uh, not only in, in uh, sales, but also in, you know, and I, that's what I do on weekends. I go out and I try and break light duty parts. Perfect. Cause yeah. you got to do destruction testing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly what I thought. And, you know, and that's a big part of my, of my, uh, uh, position here at, at, uh, motive gear. And that's one thing I always like about motive gear is that like, they're, they're big on, on developing and, uh, they're very pro development, very pro, like go out and test it, see what we can do, where can we can make it better and that kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to go out and do donuts and jump and see what I can break and bend and how hard I can push this stuff. So if you guys are cool with it, I'll, uh, I'll see you next week. <laughs> so then from, uh, out of Phoenix, what was your next stop? Um, so from out of Phoenix, I moved, uh, on these, uh, when I was, when we were growing up, my, I, like I said, my dad owned an auto parts store and we would go on, um, because it was a you know a small big a auto parts store, he could only really split for you know two weeks. He would have, he had his right hand man, and he could only leave for two weeks, and he couldn't like take a week this this month, and maybe a week in a couple months. It had to be really well planned. So we would always vacation for two weeks straight, and that vacation consisted of uh, of getting in the back of a a single cab Toyota pickup with a camper shell. And we drove and camped across the country. I mean, we would, we would, we spent more time driving and I, my parents, I know they, they had a, you know, good intentions. They wanted to show us the the country. So they took us to all the monuments and, you know, we went to, we camped in near DC one time and saw all those dumb monuments. But at that age, I could not have given less of a shit about the monuments. Right. <laughs> so my favorite part about all those vacations of driving all, you know, from the West coast to the East coast and back is we would always stop in a little town called Durango, Colorado. And that was where we at least spent two or three days. So my fondest memories was that was, that was like, I, I like Durango, Colorado now because that's where we would at least stop and we weren't driving in this Toyota or a, you know, or Jeep or whatever we were in. This is our, our time to, you know, hang out by the river and pretend to fish because we're terrible fisher persons. <laughs> um, and so when I got done with uh, uh, Universal like the UTI, I uh, my intention was I'm moving to Colorado. I'm going to pack it up and go straight to Durango and 
start my life jeeping there and that kind of thing. So, so yeah, after I graduated, I moved to Durango, Colorado and actually let me back up. Um, before I moved to Durango, I was, a so we were Jeep guys and we would go in, in Phoenix. We would go to, uh, we'd go to all the Jeep events. Um, so there was like the association run and spook rally and all these, all these, uh, Arizona events that we would still go to uh, on weekends, and that was actually where I've met. That's where I met Shannon Campbell, and eventually uh, I got to know uh, Randy Ellis really well. And after watching, shit, you know, I don't think I met Shannon until after I met Randy. I met Randy at FST back when he was working for FST, and I had read a, a, a magazine article that had, uh, I think, Shannon's old. Pinky? Uh, no, no, it was before Pinky. Um, so his old, uh, at the time, I think it was the bronze or like a cores colored um, three-quarter elliptic. Uh, I think it was still a flat fender, if I remember right. It was a flat fender, and it had a two-by-three tube tube frame and a cage and, and, you know, just junkyard axles and that kind of stuff. And when I read that article, I was like, oh, my God, like I... I have to build something like this. You know, I've I've been trying to rock crawl this stupid uh, Cherokee Chief. I need to build something small and fun. And you know, and I was young and dumb and didn't realize how much money it was going to cost me. Uh, <laughs> even with junkyard parts. Yeah, even well, well, not even junkyard parts. I had already had a Cherokee Chief, which had forty fours and a V eight and that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, I'm going to tear this Cherokee Chief apart, build a frame. So I'm working at a truck shop. And every night I would literally like get, I would go to school at seven in the morning and you'd get off, you know, you'd be done with school four or five hours later. So around one or two or something. And then from two, uh, I would drive across town in Arizona in Phoenix, which used to be an enormous pain because there was only one or two, two freeways, the 10 and the 17 back then. Now there's loops, one ones and two twos and three threes and 51s and all that stuff. But I would go to work, work a full eight-hour shift on these big rigs, uh, changing out either you know R and R and transmission or clutches and that kind of stuff, and and adjusting you know all this garbage. But then I would get off at you know nine or ten, and I would work till three or four in the morning, cutting metal and making my frame and uh, tearing apart this Cherokee Chief and building. I was building a uh, a CJ five. Uh, like an older CJ5, but with a tube frame, and I was sold on quarter elliptic, so I was doing uh, link systems, and and that always, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know what I was doing, but it was fun to do. So you know, that was I built my first four link and custom chassis and everything when I was still 18 years old, wow. um, and I I got a, you know, I can't remember their names, but the guys that own that truck shop must have just had. I don't know. I don't know how they could have possibly trusted me that much, but like I was just there. I had the keys to the shop. I lived there uh, to make this Jeep. And then I would sleep two hours and go to school and then start that over again. <laughs> and, and that was my old, uh, yeah, my old junkie CJ5 rock crawler way back in the day, which I sold to a guy named Serge Ahura, I think. Serge? Oh, uh, he's a Facebook friend. Really nice guy. Yeah, hey, I think up, he's more... up out of the Sacramento, San Francisco area. Yeah, the Russians. Yeah, is that is that what that is? Yeah, oh, 
Ah. Yeah, Sergi. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Then I know so that. Yeah, right. um, yeah, yeah, I think he painted it. He might have painted it green and black. It was orange and black when I had it and sold it to him. And and it was, uh, he really liked it. And I really liked it uh, until I, you know, uh, but when I think back of how I did things, like I did it all with a torch and a welder. That was it. So um, when I really got to know, like, uh, uh, Randy and Shannon and saw how they would do things. I'm like, Oh my God, what am I doing? This is, I'm building such garbage. Um, <laughs> and I always, you know, I always uh, give credit to Randy because the first time he saw my garbage, he was like, no, I think that's good. You know, at least, uh, you know, it's absolute dog shit, but you know, you were thinking out of the box, you figured out how to do this. And I was like, Oh, thanks dude. <laughs> exactly. So when you were up in Durango, what were you doing work-wise up in that area? Uh, so when I first moved to Durango, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was still only 18 and a half or 19, maybe I was probably 19. Um, and I put together a resume and my resume consisted of me going to school and being a know-it-all and, um, with some pictures of this Jeep that I'd, I'd built. And, and I got picked up by a, a place in Durango called Durango truck and off-road outfitters or something like that okay and worked for a guy named andy and uh and like i said i was a you know a total know-it-all i knew i and i still am i just know how to suppress it now (laughs) (laughs) uh so i worked for him for uh i don't know the better part of a year and then we got into a fuck you competition and you know the owner of the company always wins those so i I uh, ended up, um, our competition was a company called, um, a tiny little off-road company called Avalanche Engineering, owned by uh, Steve Ramore. Yep. And I'd been wheeling with, I, you know, as they were competition, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd gotten to know Steve just in passings and uh, kind of started going wheeling with him every once in a while because he had this round tube chassis cj6 that he built so i've got this rectangular tube chassis thinking i'm all fucking hot shit and he's got this round tube chassis cj6 with like big tires and but when i would look at it i'd be like Ugh, that's not how i would do it <laughs> so, so when uh when i got fired or quite, i can't remember i was pretty sure i probably got fired or asked to leave anyway from durango truck I went to Steve and Steve was like, oh, yeah, fuck, I'll give you a job right now. So I went to work for Steve and uh, actually lived in the uh, it lived in the shop. There was a really crummy little like uh, upstairs apartment that had more rats than than I had cans of food because I didn't have any money. <laughs> but uh, so then, yeah, I started working for Avalanche Engineering. And so there's so much more to that story. But uh I'd met my uh, good buddy, Drew, uh, Drew Barber, right. Um, who worked at a auto, an auto shop, an auto repair shop right next to that Drango truck place. So I knew Drew really well and eventually got Drew to come over to Avalanche. I forget how that all went down, but eventually he came over and that was when we started making, um, well, we made all kinds of things actually, but the one that people might remember is when we started making the sniper, which in you know, in hindsight, I always think, God, what an ugly, ugly car. But the let me know if I'm getting too far ahead of you. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> the sniper, um, 
I'm trying to remember the guy's name that that we built the very first one for. Um, he owned the Badlands Off-Road Park, and I think he may have passed away a handful of years ago now from cancer. Um, Troy Myers. Uh, Troy Myers, yes, Troy Myers. So Troy Myers had seen Sonny Honiger's... Um, Scorpion. Scorpion, yeah. So he had seen Troy Myers Scorpion and or uh, Sonny Honiger Scorpion, and he liked a lot of things about it, but he liked some of the uh, like the quarter we were doing quarter. It was back in the day, kind of just following Shannon's footsteps, really. But um, quarter elliptic. So we were doing um, well. We had air. We were experimenting with airbags. We were doing all kinds of stuff back then. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just looking for something that would work. And, you know, you'd watch you'd watch what Shannon would do or or Sonny or, you know, uh, or Randy Ellis was always a, a um, I don't know if you know Randy, but yes, I, I still hang out with Randy all the time. And he's just such a such a legitimate uh, dude. But like back in that day, he was for, you know, he was starting to mix Jeeps and desert racing. And so was uh, Shannon, actually. So I was watching, like, I had a keen eye for all that stuff. I wanted to see, uh, Randy was the one that showed me how to, and it's still the same way I do it to today, you know, 25 years later, how to design a four-link system. And I remember back in, like, the Pirate 4x4 days when everybody was dorking out on anti-squats and this and that, and, and it's all important stuff. But, man, they were really nerding out on that. And I'm like, well, this is how I do it. And it still works really good. But then when I watch how your guys' stuff is doing it, is working, like it's it's super unpredictable. So I'm just going to stay with my <laughs> that I learned from Randy, that I stole from Randy. You know? Right. Uh, but it was really just desert. It was a desert link system that still worked if you go slow, but it worked really well going fast and the cars reacted well. So anyways, uh, back to the sniper. Troy Myers comes uh, comes to Avalanche from wherever they were, like ten, he was way back east, and wants to build something similar to Sonny's uh, Scorpion, and but didn't want the suspension and all that stuff. So we came up with the Sniper, and like I said, I still don't, I still don't like, I like Sonny, I just don't like the look of that Scorpion or our Sniper. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just, you know, it was me and Drew, me and Drew just, you know, doing what we kind of what we were asked to do, but with our own little flair. So we, you know, we tried to give it, uh, we tried to give it some appearance. The um, a, a story I want to tell you real quick was, uh, he, and it carried on. And I don't know if anybody, this could just be me patting myself on the back here. <laughs> um if anybody knows, so if, if you remember the, the sniper back in the day, it had like those eyebrows. It had that look. Right. Uh, and that carried on through a handful of different cars that I'd built in, in the future after that. And and it seemed like every car uh, in, in Northern California, where all the new buggy builder guys started doing that, where they'd put the little eyebrows in it. Right. They'd and, lower that center section of the... The, yeah, the and, roof. It, and it gave it, you know, it kind of gave it a cool look. It did kind of make some things a pain in the ass. But uh, the reason we did that is my old CJ5 that I built in Phoenix. I uh, I had a tire on the roof. Another idea I think I stole from Shannon. Um, but I had a tire on the roof 
and I was in New Mexico. Um, we were crawling rocks, and I'd rolled it over backwards. Maybe it was in Moab. I forget. I'd rolled it over backwards, and that tire on the roof turns out to be a really bad idea because what it does is it pushes the center of the cage down. Right. Um, and so when it bent the cage, it bent it down with a set of eyebrows. Well, me being a stupid kid with with no money, I couldn't really afford to go buy any uh, any like a bunch of tubing to go build a new cage. Or for a long time, I didn't anyway. But I can't have this this uh, this roll cage looks very unsafe. <laughs> so I just stuck a tube in between the bend and the dash bar. So now it had this uh, had this eyebrows with a tube that came down. And when we were building the sniper, we we're like. We we always kind of laughed at how like it looked angry. Your CJ five looks angry. So so what you're so what you're saying is you're the one to blame for yeah. for the angry grills. <laughs> oh, oh man, <laughs> I hope not. I surely surely hope not. <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to stick to that. <laughs> That's my story now. <laughs> but you know who I also as long as we're talking about like super bad taste was uh i always blame um what eventually i think became known as the boner bar or what i always called it those big goofy stupid loops that everybody puts on the front of their bumpers yep on shannon campbell because when shannon would show up at the you know he always had that he had like the front bumper would ramp up and it was about as high as the grill or maybe a little bit lower and it was always a smooth transition and then i don't know who but someone, I'm going to call him, let's just call him asshole, <laughs> decided that that should be a bigger loop. And then the next guy was like, oh, yeah, your loop's big. Well, mine's going to be this big. And so they were like six-foot boner bars, just big loops. And, oh, I mean, how long did that trend last? Like 10 years. It's still out there. It still so, is, yes. Stupid Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't have one on his uh, KOH cars. Uh <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think he looked around. and was like, "What are you idiots doing? I'm not going to do this anymore." <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that's how the sniper kind of came around. Me and Drew and and uh, I know Steve gets a lot of credit for it, and he should because he owned the company and he had he did have input on it for sure, uh, and I'm sure plenty of it. I just don't, you know, it was just it was me and Drew building it, so I don't really remember how much. I do remember the start of the chassis. Because uh, Steve was an engineer and he liked drag racing, so I remember he'd read a like drag racing chassis building guide or something. Okay. And, and I remember he was like, "This is how the chassis needs to build or start. We're going to build a square," which is kind of how they do it these days too. Yeah. <laughs> then was not how we did it, so it's like we built a square. So we built a square, and I remember like, "No, that's stupid." But in hindsight, it actually was not a terrible idea. And then we just cut the you know cut the middle of the square out for the drivetrain to come through and build the rest of the car. And I don't know. It was good days. We were just, we were just doing whatever we could to kind of, I don't know. We we're just really just having fun building stuff. I think it was kind of exciting back then. Yeah. Cause everything was brand new. I mean, everything that you guys produced there or Shannon or Randy did with the, uh, the red racer with the, the four wheel independent, you know, all yeah. that stuff was was just so new and all experimental. Nobody, there was, nobody was copying really anybody because everybody was doing something different or, or new. Um, 
Uh, I definitely had a I definitely had a keen eye on like what Shannon was doing and what Randy was doing and what you know the some of the top guys were doing. Um, and that that actually so that was actually all after like rock crawling competitions that started already. I remember our first rock crawling competition like we read about it in a magazine like it was before the internet so it was a like a one-third page about this rock crawling competition that was going to take place in i think new new mexico las cruces i think yep las cruces and we used to go to las cruces a lot because we were we were only like six hours from there and so i wanted to do it in my little cj5 buggy but again like i was i was a broke kid and steve who really wasn't that much older than i was he probably five to seven years older maybe he had his cj6 and we're like well let's go do this let's enter this thing so uh steve and i took his little white cj or little big monstrous white cj6 stretched cj6 to that competition and that was the the very first one i forget who put it on but it was uh, bob hazel was it bob hazel i was thinking it was uh phil howe but maybe phil howe started it and bob took it from there well phil started the concept of Arca and he was talking okay. to, it was, it was a combination of him and Phil and Hazel. They didn't, Phil didn't like the way the rules were set up. And so they parted ways after that first one. So yeah, it was a, it was a combination of the two. Uh, okay. I kind of remember it like it switched hands before it even happened. So that would, that would kind of make sense. I right. think. Yep. I'm not really sure, but I, I just remember it, it cracks me up that it was before the internet. You had to literally like probably peel the entry thing, like cut it out of the magazine and send in your entry. <laughs> and, and then, and dude, those were, those were good times. So like we, we drive all the way to Las Cruces and uh, like uh, we, you know, Shannon's already there and Randy's there. And we, we were all just goofballs back then. still are really. But so, you know, we, we're going to essentially party till three in the morning and we got to be there at seven or four and might've been six in the morning until we get there. And then you loaded coolers and put them in the back of these Jeeps and went rock, you know, rock competitioning. And I remember there was one picture and I think it went into the magazine of Shannon, like standing it straight up on end and his cooler fell out and there was beers everywhere in the picture. (laughs) And that was, when that's when the rules changed. Now we can't, we can't can't be having so many beers in these pictures. So, uh, <laughs> so that was a, like a, I, always, I always get a kick out of how how much fun we had back then. Things definitely changed over the Don't years. You. From you know people hanging onto the vehicles, standing on yeah. outrigger like on a sailboat. You know, I mean, I don't know if you remember because um, I think it was I think it was before. Yeah, uh, you you started we rock and that kind of stuff, but uh, back when uh, Chris Durham still had Moose spotting for him. Oh yeah, and he like uh, Moose pushed that whole front of the Jeep like back down onto the ground, like he'd rolled over almost backwards, but it stood there, and Moose pushed that whole Jeep because that guy was a monster, and ended up like hanging onto the Jeep as it fell back onto its tires and just slammed him up against the hood, and I mean it was painful to watch, but. Uh, also amazing at the same time. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that stuff doesn't fly anymore. No, I can remember. Was it Cedar City, the first Cedar City Arca event, which Phil Hal started Arca, and uh-huh, then uh-huh. Ranch Pratt bought it from yeah, him before the first yeah. event as a good oh, way to that. advertise for Terraflex. And ah. so then he uh, 
Ranch put that on, but I was the club president in Cedar City, Utah, and we helped Ranch get there and all that kind of stuff. And um, Lance Clifford and Bob Rogie were competing. Bob was driving. Lance stepped on the fire extinguisher while <laughs> outriggering and got, you know, got shot in the face from the fire extinguisher. No helmets, just a, you know, a lap belt, um, just crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. I mean, that's how I, you know, Bob Roggy got out of that guy. And I, uh, that's how I first met him was in the Rock Rock. I think I want to say the first time I remember meeting him was at the, one of the ones in, uh, at Chokecherry in, in, uh, Farmington, New Mexico. Okay. And, uh, I mean, I've, I've known him ever since. And yeah, great, great. Guy. I've met so many fantastic people through not only just this industry, but, you know, from those rock crawling days and my, you know, my desert racing stuff that I've done in the last, you know, 15 years or whatever it is. And, um, uh, it's just so many fantastic people that are like in this industry. It's, uh, I can't talk, I can't talk highly enough. Back when we were competing, I would have talked to all kinds of shit. I'm like, Oh, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's an asshole. And he's rich or he's, you know, he's, got more time or he's cheating or he's cherry picking or whatever. <laughs> but now when I look back at it, I'm like, Oh man, I love all those guys. It was great to, you know, and I still do. It's great to see them every time, every time we all come together, or whether it's a SEMA or off-road expo or a rock crawling event or desert or, you know, whatever it is. Yep. That's what I missed about this last year, 2020 was no Easter Jeep, you know, no yeah. SEMA, no off-road expo, none of the, none of the big shows. Um, the big organized trail rides, it, it really sucked. I, I was surprised that we were able to get our season done with, and, yeah, and the yeah, same no, thing been, with, with, with ultra four. Yeah, totally. I've been watching all you guys and, and I've been surprised that anything was happening. Uh, and even with the, the big one coming up with, uh, uh, KOH, you know, after they screwed the, the snore race or whichever one that was in Laughlin that just happened a few yes. weeks ago, I'm like, well, you know, if they can do that, what's next? It's it's a bunch of BS. But yeah, that's interesting how they sent the the yeah. gaming the yeah. state sent the gaming commission in and said, okay, we can't stop them because, but you can because you can threaten to pull their license. You know that was some shady yeah. stuff going on there. Shady, super shady. Yeah, but we'll see what happens. I I hope Dave's able to pull it off. You know the the way they're doing the testing and everything. It's the only yeah. those that yeah. are going into Hammer Town. And buying a wristband to get in there have to test. So yeah. everybody else will be on their own and we'll yeah. see how that how that flies with the state. But hopefully yeah, I got I should go check the mail actually because I pre ordered mine so I could do it at home. But oh perfect. We'll see. And then uh let's let's move on to after those avalanche days. Oh. When did you I know that you you're friends with Ron Stobaugh, you mentioned him earlier. You uh-huh. guys raced, got into well, before Jeep Speed, let's get into into the whole Bronco thing and Oh yeah. So um again, I can't stress to you enough how much smarter I am these days and being able to hold uh my opinions back. <laughs> so when I worked at Avalanche, you know, we we're all headstrong people and Steve Steve was a he was a headstrong person as well. And so it uh you know, we would we would talk about you know, I built John Gilliland's first, uh, his first rock buggy before, before the, uh, carnivore, okay. uh, that my buddy Drew had built. Um, and 
I think it debuted at like uh, the first one was the Phoenix. The first time we, first, maybe the only time we ever did it, that there was a rock crawling championship in Phoenix. But uh, like through that whole time, I had John Gillen on like on my side. He knew or he felt whether he knew it or not. He felt I knew what I was doing. So if I had an idea, he'd be like, yeah, totally. Let's do that. And then Steve would run in and he'd be like, oh, I, can, I don't know about that. I'm like, ah, this is this a customer wants, you know, wants to side with me we should do it and so i got kind of tired of that and my wife my not yet wife uh, was going to school in durango and she was about to graduate and i was like let's move back to ventura and open a shop i want to open a fab shop i'm a smart young man and i can open a fashion <laughs> as we so know I, many people have done in the past <laughs> yeah i always admire the uh the ones that were successful man it's, it's, it's amazing um so i moved back to ventura with my uh with my I, actually we'd gotten married right before we moved back to ventura so moved back to ventura and i opened up uh my shop which was fat city off-road enterprises and uh no, Fat City Off-Road Engineering. That's right. Um, and we, my first like order of business was I'm going to build a rock. Uh, I need something. I need a showpiece. So I built a rock crawler um, similar to kind of like John, uh, John Gillen's as far as like it had a CJ5 tub, I think. A CJ5, it had a glass CJ5 tub and it was a two by three. Or two by four, I forget. A tube chassis and and a good looking cage and and um, I didn't have like a ton of money, although I did put good shocks on it. I forget. I built a. Uh, it was um, shoot. What would you call it? It was a dual shackle, four link dual shackle. So it still used like back then. It was a Wrangler leaf spring over that we would use a lot, right? Because um, they would flex well and they were soft and. Uh, but I had a shackle on each end, the front and the rear of uh, the spring, and then a four-link. And that was same front and rear as a shackled uh, leaf spring front and rear and four-links front and rear. And started taking that. I actually ended up uh, halfway through building it. I sold it to a guy. And he was always super supportive. Uh, Tom Millen was his name. Is his name still. <laughs> uh and so Tom Millen bought it and funded finishing it. So then we finished it. We would use it at all the shows. We go to. We I think we went to the very first Off Road Expo back when uh, Bob Bauer just started that, and um, we'd go to no, TDS, and that was our that was my showpiece. He'd let me take that. He'd almost let me take it anywhere. I took it to like association runs and you know or Arizona association run that kind of stuff. That's always um, a good friend and customer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I still to this day because I still ran. You know, I was young dumb uh so i would i would still run the shit out of it <laughs> you know? but I, you know i knew what it was capable of and, and it was on like 39 inch boggers boggers was the you know the go-to you had to have boggers back then ex uh, for a while anyway till we grew up um, yeah till you grew up yeah i'll tell you the very first uh rock crawl i think it was probably the second rock crawling i forget which one it was that happened in um in Chokecherry, if I remember right, it was in New Mexico for sure. I'm pretty sure it was Chokecherry uh, or Farmington. And we all showed up and we're doing our same thing that we, you know, we just party our party our asses off in the parking lot. And Shannon was there. Shannon pulls up in Pinky and BFG, like, 
takes all his wheels and tires off, takes his boggers off, and puts on these. No, it was um, not BFG. It was a uh, Goodyear. So it was the Goodyear Wrangler. And they put those Goodyear Wranglers on. And I remember thinking to myself, <laughs> those aren't going to get you anywhere, man. You've got to have boggers. And I sure should think I think he won it. I, I remember. Apparently, you didn't have to have boggers. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I digress. Uh, uh, so I had this this CJ5 buggy that I built for uh, Tom Millen, and uh, he'd let me take it to all the shows and use it if I needed to, and he was always having a good time with it. And uh, it was a good showpiece, and we eventually got um, – I think I started running an ad. It's funny, I was talking to uh, uh, Mike Schaefer a month or two ago. I'd swung into his shop. I was up in that area. And uh, he goes, he said, uh, I forget how he worded it, but he was like, I was reading through the magazine and you had all these, like, <laughs> for lack of a better explanation, like professional ads, all these nice, like well-designed ads. And then I came across your ad uh, for Fat City and it was just this, it was my Jeep, like hanging a tire eight feet in the air and just about to roll. I think a guy was actually pushing me back over and, you know, and it just said fat city opera, you know, custom chassis, roll cages, this and that. Uh, and then it like, it had a little tag that said, when in doubt, throttle out. That was all our, our little tagline all the time. And he goes, the second I saw that ad, I thought, God damn, that is so cool. And he says, that's when I decided I'm going to start my fab shop. <laughs> and, <laughs> And here's Schaefer, you know, 20 something years later, and he's one of the, you know, he's making money at it now. It probably yep. took a long time to do, but, you know, he's, he's but he got survived. His, uh, yep. He survived. Yeah. He kept with it Good for him. Um, so, yeah. So after that, I got um, from that, I think it from that ad, I ended up uh, bringing in a guy named Kevin, and I can't remember his name, his last name. Kevin, I'm drawing a blank on his last name for whatever reason, but, uh, he went by Ramstein on uh, oh yes on Pirate Four by Four forums, which at the time I didn't know what a forum was. So he had picked up this ad, and I he wanted a four link in his. He had like a brand new Dodge, like twenty five hundred with a or maybe it was a half ton. I forget, but brand new four wheel drive Dodge. And we did like coilovers and a four link and solid axle, uh, like a Dana sixty or something up front. I forget what it was, but and we it was a it was a cool cool Dodge. Um, and it was a daily driver that he would tow stuff with. And after seeing the Jeep we'd built for Tom, Kevin wanted, he wanted a similar Jeep, but he wanted coilovers and, you know, a, a ZZ4, like a, you know, a bigger, um, you know, just a bigger, better Chevy and that kind of stuff. So, so we ended up building a Jeep and I hate naming Jeeps. I'm super anti-naming anything. <laughs> Uh, but he called it grape. He's like, it's got to have a name. He's like, I want to call it, I'm going to paint it purple. I want to call it grape nuts. And I was like, all right, that sounds stupid, but you're the one building the Jeep. So <laughs> you're the one paint, paying for it. Painted. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But it was a cool Jeep and it went through a few hands until it finally, it, it, uh, guy rolled it over the, the last guy. I don't know who owned it last, but it went from Kevin to a guy named Pete DePrimo, And then Pete sold it to another guy. And that guy was at, uh, Truck Haven or Tierra del, where where Tierra del Sol is held a handful of years ago or more, uh, and he rolled it. He like stuck it into a notch and rolled it almost all the way over, and the transmission leaked onto the exhaust and lit that thing up and burned to the ground, which was a shame because it was it was kind of a cool Jeep. But even funnier though, not funnier. Nobody's gonna laugh at this, but me. 
was that I was out there on like my dirt bike. I was just, we were camped 30 miles away and I was out on my dual sport, just, you know, tearing ass around the desert. And in the, in the distance, I saw a big cloud of black smoke. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go see who's having a bad day. And I rolled up on it. I'm like, oh, no kidding. I know that. I know that Jeep. That's a, you know, so I just happened to, I, you know, I got to be there when it was born and I got to be there on its death day. So uh, convenient. I mean, I could have been anywhere, but I ended up going to that black cloud of smoke and seeing that poor guy watch his life burn to the ground. Yeah, hope, yeah, that's that would suck. Mm-hmm. That would suck. So then, uh, at what point did uh, John Reynolds come in? Oh, um, so so while I was actually still building Kevin's Jeep, I think, um, and I don't, I think it came from that ad too. So that those magazine ads did pay off, I guess. Um, cause they were expensive and you had to commit to a, like a 12 month deal or whatever back right. then. Um, John Reynolds had called me. He had competed in, I think it was like the 24 hours at the hammers when they were doing that or one of those kinds of events in his Bronco. Yep. He had a, uh, he had like a big, just modified, uh, Bronco on, I want to say it was on like 39s or something, but it was still a full bodied, full frame Bronco. And he came, he wanted to build a new Bronco on like a rectangular tube chassis um, with coilovers and that kind of stuff. And at the time I was building another tube chassis uh, for myself, which was like a, it was a, um, I was trying to, I was trying so hard to mix this, this rock crawling and desert stuff together. So I was building what essentially like appeared to be like a class one, but was a class one buggy that was still with solid axles with 60 and a 44 and that kind of stuff. And um, while he was there, I'm like, well, what I'd like to do is, you know, we should do, you know, if we're going to build a full chassis, let's build a round tube chassis. I think I can't, I can't remember exactly, but you know, he was a, he was a horn player. So John, that little history on John, he, he played the French horn. I hope, I hope I'm getting that right. But, he played the French horn and he did like um, uh, movie music, you know, so the music that plays at any given time during a movie at the end, at the beginning, whatever it was. And uh, maybe, you know, he did very well for himself doing that. And uh, he didn't know like fabrication was not his, his game, which is, you know, further down the road, he became such an impressive fabricator. Um, I, th- I think that's the coolest, one of the coolest stories ever is you went from horn player to horn player slash like really professional fabricator. Right. Um, anyway, so he wanted to build a Bronco. We talked him into a tube chassis and full body. You know, he had a lot, we all had lots of ideas and, and luckily he kind of let us run with it. There was probably some that he wasn't keen on. Like he wanted to, you know, he wanted it to be easy to get in and out. And I'm like, no, I want chassis you know stiffness so we need to you know it needs to be rigid and we can't have these goofy doors that all these people are doing it, it, you know and, you know i just had a lot of strong opinions i guess um, <laughs> and he had uh what else he had you know he wanted to put a huge motor in it and i forget what it was but it was like a 500 horse uh back in back in those days that was that was, that was enormous power so a huge ford uh stroked Thing. I don't know what I forget what all the specs on it, but it was a bunch of power. And he had these this idea to use shoot what, what kind of port Mercedes um, shoot what kind of portals the Unimog 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 portals yeah 
so he had this guy that he'd somehow come in contact uh, named Jack that worked at uh, CTM, which was, I think it's like Central Tool and Machine. And so Axel Jack, so he has, a, he goes, and, it, and he, he always talked about Axel Jack. Oh, Axel Jack says he's going to do this, and he's you know, like, they're, they're working on these axles, and, um, and he would always call him Axel Jack, which would lead you to believe that, like, Jack just built axles. But after it all, after it was all said and done, you know, he took this nine inch housing and, um, you know, and, and mounted uh, these uh, Unimog portals on it and built this huge strap because the Unimog portals uh, had like a weak housing. So he built this like one inch strap that he TIG welded around the, the portal itself so that it wouldn't it wouldn't explode the housing or couldn't explode the housing. And when I finally you know got to meet Jack, uh, which I think was at the hammer, I think we all went wheeling together. And Jack's like, he's like, yeah, don't tell, don't tell Jack or John this, but like, I've, I've never built an axle in my life until he came to me. <laughs> I was like, really? You're Axel Jack. How have you never done that? He goes, oh, he's just, I, you know, I, I can do anything. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we had, you know, we built this, we wanted to keep it low and on big tires, but with tons of clearance with these uh, portals. And uh, we were going to have to run the, uh, the nine inch third member upside down. Um, which is going to be like, there's a lot of oil. I don't, I don't think we knew anyone that had done that yet. Um, so John being, um, being, you know, pretty OCD, uh, like went home and probably spent, you know, 80 hours figuring out how to oil a nine inch upside down by, you know, he would, he would, um, I think we had to weld the little things in, but he would, find a little fin and he, he like, I want a fin right here inside here, inside the, the third member um, so that it throws oil at this uh, outer pinion bearing kind of thing. And I mean, he, he was super, um, uh, super good at like engineering and figuring that stuff out. And I can, like, I'm, I, I'm good at figuring things out, but I can't put that kind of time into it sometimes. And right. he, he was like, he was going to get it right. And he did. I don't think there was ever a failure. We, we welded everything in for him and it threw oil where it needed to run it upside down. And, and that thing, it, it had so much clearance uh, back in those days. It was so, um, I was always so surprised because you'd have like a five gallon jerry can, which you can't buy in California anymore. Five gallon jerry can that sits, you know, two and a half feet tall or whatever. And with 39 inch tires, this, this portal axle would just clear the differential would clear right over it without even touching. I'm like, man, that would be, back in those days considered a very big rock and you just drove right over it without yeah. touching no diff dragon without even touching yeah and then you know rear he wanted rear steer which was you know i it wasn't totally new at that time because we've done rear steer on one of the snipers on uh, steve remorse sniper to be exact right um and but he had the money to buy like the right parts so steve's rear steer would work but it was so agonizingly slow and um uh john had figured out john reynolds had figured out like well we need this much pressure through this uh psc or whatever pump it was but super high pressure pump and to this size um uh, ram and we put it on a oh, i forget what kind of valve we used it was probably like a log splitter valve or something but um and that thing would go full lock to lock in like a second so it would it was super super fast, and you know it it uh, yeah it really made all the difference in the world. 
especially like at Top Truck Challenge. He won Top Truck Challenge with that Bronco. And there was one hill on those uh like those mud bog things that you do and and he'd set he set like a record time going through the tank trap. That's what it was called back then. Right. Um but there was one hill that you came out of the mud bog and you had to like most people couldn't even make the hill. But if you looked at the tire tracks, the rear was just going lock to lock to lock to lock to lock. And it did it like 10 times in eight feet and, <laughs> and just buzzed him right up over that thing. And then you're like, oh, man, that's that's a good thing. John was right. We need a bunch of bunch of power going to that thing. That was a really cool Bronco. And that was the same thing. I was always trying to mix a little bit of desert with a little bit of uh, with a lot of rock on, I guess, back then. It's awesome. And again, still just following the footsteps that I'd been watching, like from Shannon and Randy Ellis and that kind of stuff. So I'm not, not, uh, not making anything new. I'm just doing it in a different way, I guess. Right. So now let's, uh, let's jump into transition from that Bronco into Ron Stobaugh and your Jeep speed efforts and then yeah. the competitions and bets with Pirate, with Lance yeah. and everybody. Yeah, Ron Ron Stilbaugh was good at getting me in a bunch of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Still is. <laughs> um, so in 2004, 2000, somewhere around there, I moved down to this area and went to work for, uh, at the time it was like Superior Axle Gear and Drivetrain Direct. And that's where I met Ron. Um, and, uh, oh, and Chris Durham was actually involved in that a little bit at the time. So I, I actually, I knew Danny Grimes for so long because he was originally from Santa Paula, which was right next to Ventura. Yep. And Danny hooked me up with, uh, Chris Durham and Durham was like, yeah, we're looking for a drivetrain guy. So I went down and interviewed and got that job. And after a while, I think. I'd always wanted to go desert racing and that was about the time like Jeep speed Jeep speed had actually popped up a few years before that, but it was super small at the time. And Jeep speed for anyone that doesn't know, is just a class four. Uh, at the time it was just a class four XJ Cherokees. It was super limited, but it was super affordable. So it was something I could do. Um, so I built this uh, Jeep Cherokee. And now I was now I'm a desert racer and I'm I'm spending every dime I ever made on desert racing, which I always tell I've got some neighbor kids that race their side by sides. And I'm like, you got to stop doing that. You spend, save your money, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so now I'm desert racing and eventually I go to work. Ron, Ron started um, Alloy USA and I go to work for Ron and. The, like a few weeks before SEMA of, I don't know, 2005, I think. A few weeks before SEMA, we had raced shoot, uh, some some like more race or, a, or I forget what the, there was another, the one that where the accident had, uh, NDR, NDR, Mojave yeah. Desert. Yeah. And there was a the infamous wall jump, which is part of it, uh, part of the race course. And it's uh, basically, it's just like a three or four foot ledge. But when you hit that thing, it sends you. And I had uh, picked up, I, I, I think I'd either, I think I picked up, Ron had sponsored me before I went to work for him. So anyway, so I, I don't know where that, that all gets jumbled together, but uh, we hit, uh, I had broken, I'd stripped out a spool. So I was running in two wheel drive, but one wheel drive, and I could barely keep the damn Jeep going 
it got sucked twice already uh, in the sand. And so I was basically pissed. And I was driving the wheels off this Jeep. Either I was going to kill it or it was going to kill me. <laughs> and I hit I hit that wall at full speed. And it, it, uh, the Jeep probably, even if it had an two, actual two-wheel drive, if the spool hadn't broken, I don't think the Jeep would have gone any faster because I never lifted for miles. And the thing was just carrying speed the whole time. And I hit that thing, and it sends this stupid Jeep Cherokee of mine, like, I don't know, 12 feet in the air or something like that. It. The photo and, looks like it. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I actually, when I was in it, I think I was just tunnel visioned and just so pissed off. But my co driver, Luke Weir, he, when we finally landed, um, <laughs> finally like, landed. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, dude, I was looking at the top, uh, like looking down at the tops of people's heads. And, <laughs> and I was like, really? Didn't feel that bad to me. <laughs> I, th- I think we actually just landed right because we landed into another set of whoops. So we kind of landed on the downhill side of a whoop and then it shot us back up again. But I think if we'd have flat landed that, we'd, pro- we'd, we'd both be in wheelchairs right now, unfortunately. But so it's uh, after that, that that stupid little jump got a, a bunch of attention because it was super cool pictures. And we're at SEMA. That Jeep's broken because I only went like another mile and it just broke all the all the mounts right out of the motor, broke all the the bolts sheared off them and the motor dropped on the axle. Um, <laughs> so you can't, you're not supposed to jump Cherokees 12 feet in the air. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, we're at SEMA. It's like a week before Baja. I've never even been to Mexico and Ron Stoba starts smack talking Lance and Eric Linker camo because they had recently bought a, I forget who's they bought. They bought Jason, the fortunes Jeep, I think. So yes. they had recently bought a Jeep or they've been racing it for a little while, maybe. And, so Ron starts smack talking these guys and that's where he came up with the, the Baja beer bet. And, you know, we, we would run that as kind of a, you know, it was kind of a marketing ploy, but at the same time, you know, it, it, pirate four by four had a lot of following back then. So, and everybody was still active, but like, I think I had three or four days to prep that Jeep and then put it on a trailer and cross the border to Mexico, which I'd never done before. And we're going to go, race Lance and Camo in this, uh, in this, uh, uh, Baja 1000, this famous Baja 1000 that I'd always dreamt about. I just didn't dream it would be three days later. <laughs> and man, I'll tell you, that was such a learning experience. I had uh, Brad level was my uh, co-driver. Uh, he'd never been to Baja. I don't know if he'd ever been to Baja. He definitely never raced Baja before that. And we took off. And I remember like the first 30 miles, also, the first time I got to meet Bob Bauer, which I love that guy. That guy's awesome too. But, he is. He's uh, awesome. Yeah, he's a god. He's a wealth of knowledge, and and I, you could you could write a book about that guy, or he could write a book about him. I mean, it's, it's just an impressive character. But uh, anyway, so the the like first thirty miles, I remember talking to Bob for the first time I ever met him. He goes, he goes, well here, uh, and Ron brought me over to him and said, hey, uh, you know, Eric, this is Bob Bauer. He's got a couple things he wants to say to you. He's a really smart guy. And I said, all right, hey, Bob, how you doing? And he goes, well, here's what you want to do. Um, I know you're all like hot to trot. So when you take off of that, um, when you take off of that start line, like uh, just shut it down, you know, take off like a bat out of hell. Give him a show right there and then shut it down. And he says, get yourself a good 30 miles under your belt, settle down, tighten your belts up, you know, and when you get to Olos Negros, 
Am I, is that right? The hose? Yeah, hose. Yeah, hose. Get the hose. Then you can open it up and and go race it. But man, give yourself 30, 30 miles to really settle in. And I still think of that every time because every I, anytime I take the start, I'll uh, I will I'll just I'll take it easy. It's you know the, you don't win that race uh, between start and hose. So you just get your belts, you get comfortable, you get used to all those sounds that you think you're hearing and and haven't been detrimental yet, and just get over it. And I think that's that's a so I've got I now have and I I credit Bob's uh, um, wisdom to that. I've got five different Baja 1000 wins, five Baja 1000 wins in four different classes. That that particular Baja beer bet though we lost to Eric and Camo, or uh, uh, Lance and Camo. But uh, but yeah, that's I mean those are all I love reflecting on those times because not only did I learn so much, but it was just such a good time. And you know I got a lot of people to thank for that too. And like you know Ron is a big part of it. I don't think I'd ever gotten it. Would probably never have gotten a chance or as many other chances as I've got. Because uh, I think I've raced a thousand like fifteen times now. If it wasn't for like Ron Stobob sticking his neck out there and helping, you know, sponsor the the very first race. There's a lot of us that can say that about Ron. Ron was one of our one of our first sponsors with um Cal Rocks with uh well let's mm-hmm. see it was Superior yeah. then Alloy. Um Yep, Alloy and, and then we bought Precision later on. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, he got me down there with uh with because of all that on Pirate, I ended up down there with with Pirate with Lance and Camo and Rogie and all those guys. And then Schaefer and then with Pistol Pete and, you know, there's some great times down there. Yeah. Pistol man, his uh, anniversary for, it'd be two years now that he's passed away on Tuesday. So just a few days away from now. Is it? It's that soon. Yeah. Two years already. We'll talk about him. I always, I loved Pistol man. Pete, Pete Swarm was such a fucking solid guy, man. Everybody, Everybody it's, realized how much they liked him after he passed, which is always unfortunate. But he, yeah, just such a such a terrific person. Exactly. Let's go into real quick the cartoons, the cartoon video for Ultra Four. Oh, and then yeah, the, the uh, Hitler video. <laughs> yeah. I don't know which one's my favorite. I <laughs> I don't either. I I think I enjoy them both. They're they're so different with the whole thing, but. You know, the, I don't know how you came up with that. I don't know. I know you have a great sense of humor. Yeah. Well, you know, it's basically, it's just me smack talking through a cartoon, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, it's so appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, uh, I always laugh how everybody feels, or it, it still is, but you know, it, it's how everyone always remembers just how, um, uh, still accurate it is to this day. And that, what that had to be 10 years ago or I don't know, a long, long time ago, whatever it was. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. It's the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. Um, (laughs) and then the, the Hitler one, which what came the next year? No, no, no. Just uh, like a month later, a month later. (laughs) Yeah. We figured that you were drinking a lot of margaritas when you did those. (laughs) My favorite part of the Hitler one is, uh, was when he was talking about whoever whoever it was that threw a rock at uh randy was it it randy yeah Yeah. so whoever it was that threw a rock and and he says he says uh you know if we didn't look dumb enough you threw that rock like a 
pussy or something like that. <laughs> and then it and then it cuts to the two girls and she puts her hand on the other girl and goes, it's okay. You threw it as hard as you could. <laughs> I, I'm still cracking myself up, but mostly just for that one part. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so but yeah, I do always appreciate seeing those pop back up and it, it, uh, it always right around this time, right before the race. And, and it's still true to this day. There's a bunch of them still, you know, putting motors in and you got to be on a lake bed in a week. Exactly. And, and it's, it's almost like, you know, Bob Bowers, um, you know, being careful in Baja, and, uh-huh. you know, in taking precautions and stuff. It's, it's, they're as famous as that. Yeah. <laughs> At least to yeah. the rock donkeys. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So and the, that's, uh, go ahead. Uh, well, I even say that, that the Bob Bowers advice still follows suit, I think, in, in King of the Hammers, you know, no one, no one wins it in that first two miles, but a lot of them try. Correct. The thing, the difference in at KOH is a racing down in Baja is that the pit crews are a lot safer at KOH than they are. Oh yeah, yeah. In Baja, a lot more rules. I mean, in, in Baja, technically, I mean, there are rules, but really, there's no rules. I know yeah. that that racing with pistol, we had a rule, and oh. it was never to drive over fifty-five. Yes. Which he, you know, he would end up with some donkeys a lot of the time that, you know, because he was always trying to scrape together a crew. And, I mean, he lost a lot of chase trucks down in Baja. Yeah. <laughs> I only lost that a is... mirror one time. <laughs> the Honda. That's not, that's, that's not bad, man. You get, you, get, you get asked to come back if you only lose a mirror. <laughs> the Honda team, their van going the opposite direction in road construction, going uh-huh. down to San Felipe, you had to drop off and get off the, the highway because they were building it. And it was all dirt road. Got to this real narrow spot and I'm completely dead stopped. And they come by me going the other direction at probably 25 in their van, 30 miles an hour and smacked the mirror. Oh, no and if I could have gotten turned around, I would have chased them down because <laughs> I was so pissed. <laughs> we had, uh, I remember, uh, I guess it's been long enough to tell the tale. Uh, Stobaugh was racing our Jeep. I think it was the 500. Actually, it was. It was definitely the Baja 500. We were racing my Jeep, uh, and uh, Ron was driving. And he had, I think he just kissed it or just clipped something, like a spectator car or something. And he came into the pits yelling at everybody, get your stickers off the windows, get your stickers off the window. You don't want any, any, uh, you know, whatever our number was, 1702 or 01 or something like that. Get them off, get, get all your stickers off the window. They're, they're going to, I clipped a car back there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't wait to get Stoba on this. I've been, I've been asking him since last April and just have not found the time to do it. So next time you talk to him, tell him he's got to get on here. Yeah. Okay. You're going to have to make it like a four hour long thing so oh, yeah. got stories <laughs> oh yeah so then uh, your gig now is with motive gear, motive gear we talked about a little bit about that mm-hmm. and uh, what is what is the position that you hold with them i i would say i wear every uh we uh, there's there's a couple of us or a handful of us that are that are pretty key players anyway i mean we have we have our vps and, i mean everybody's a key everybody's a key player that's me being politically correct but as far as like brand management and uh, product development, that kind of stuff. There's, there's maybe there's five or six of us that are really um, 
not only uh, in charge of that, but we're also like enthusiasts. We've got a couple drag racers, car, you know, hot rodders. I'm a desert guy. Uh, my buddy Jeff Belknap is a desert guy and, and, and rock crawlers and that kind of stuff. So we, we always say we wear every hat from product development to like marketing. We do all the shows. We handle uh, all the sponsorships. Uh, I do inside sales and outside sales and still handle when I'm in the office. Uh, I'm like on the tech line nonstop. Because, you know, differential work is – it's not rocket science, but a lot of people think it is. So you got to walk a lot of people off the cliff. But So we do we do it all. But we've got we've got our, you know, our VPs and, and that kind of stuff. I, I, I don't even know what my title is. I like not having a title. <laughs> <laughs> but I really do like – you know, we're one of the only true manufacturers in the business. There's lots of other brands, but they're all just buying like third party. And we're, we're, we're the only ones that are technically – Motive Gear is really the only one – technically vested in in our manufacturing plant so we can we can actually control our quality you know our control our quality control right. as opposed to bringing in whatever the other guy sold us and then we check it and then move it into a box we uh we make our parts awesome yeah but so and then you know like you'll see me at all the shows because uh you know i'm the off-road guy and and the desert is dirty and i like that stuff and it's you know it's not everybody's cup of tea so right it, uh but yeah, I, I can. I always, I always tell people I've got the best job in the world. You know, I've got no complaints. That uh, I like the people I work with. Super loyal to the brand because I know what kind of quality we put out there. And I don't know. This is this is where I'll. Uh, if I don't, if I die before I retire, this is either where I'll die or where I'll retire. Excellent. So yeah, you're uh, the last couple of times I've seen you, you've been wheeling a flat fender. Oh yeah, and yeah. You, I've got well, I've got everything. So I've got. I mean, it, I, what I have is everything, which is too many, too many things. <laughs> I've got my, my pre-runner and I've got, um, you know, I've got my, I've got a little TJ for Rockron. I've got my flat fender for Rockron, but I've got a bone stock 1946 um, flat fender, uh, CJ2A. And, you know, it's still got a flathead four cylinder in it and stock axles, stock transfer case, stock, stock everything, except um, I put lock rights in it front and rear. And I just tear ass in that thing. It's so much fun because like we, every year at the hammers, I usually bring it down for KOH and well, there's every Toyota and goofball and a JK on forties that can't get through chocolate thunder. I take this stupid little stock flat fender on 28 inch tires. And I mean, I got to work. It's not easy. That's for sure. But I'll run it up chocolate thunder and, and then honk the horn at the top and you get the cheers. And that's, that's what makes me smile. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I guess if everybody booed, I'd be like, ah, ah I'm going to sell this thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything that we've talked that we haven't talked about that, that you'd like to share? Boy, that is a great question. Got any builds that you're, you're looking at doing or. No, you know what I'm trying. Well, you know, I've, so I'm all grown up these days. You know, I'm in I'm in my mid my mid forties now, and and uh, I've got a six year old and a you know six year old boy and a twelve year old daughter that I like to just poke fun of, and I'm trying to just essentially bring them up. Most of my stuff is when it's not work, it's family anymore. So it's Good. I've got a motorhome and a million way too many dirt bikes and too many jeeps, and you know let the let the kids drive those things and and ride the wheels off their dirt bikes and. It's just a, it's, it's a different, um, you know, in, in reflection when I was younger, everything was, was kind of about, you know, it was kind of about me or, or, or being, you know, or 
competing or, um, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, and anymore, I really do focus on, although my wife disagrees, she'll say that I don't spend enough time with them, but she's, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, <laughs> she won't listen to this. Yeah. That's okay. She won't listen. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I spend more time out in the desert, you know, with my kids and, and we go camping, you know, almost every weekend. And that's, that's kind of my gig now. I still like rock crawling. Well, you know what? I was, uh, I was just at the hammers back in September or October and I was just out there, and I remember I had I used to drive a CJ7 um, when I was in my early 20s. I'd drive a CJ7 on 33s, and we'd go run on the hammers. We'd run all the trails, and it was on a T5 with a you know a, a Terra Low on the transfer case. And we just eat up those trails and had such a good time. And then I just went back and ran. I think it was either Jack or Sledge. It's the one on the left. Okay. Um, and uh, I ran that in my TJ at like two in the morning because i'm an idiot and about halfway through i was like oh my god i forgot how big these goddamn rocks i mean these rocks are so big these days and i was like we can't we turn around right now it's going to take us just as long to get out as it does to go forward but if we break something man we are we're screwed i was like how how come i haven't grown out out of this yet you know come on damn it eric you're a grown-up now (laughs) i like to tell everybody i'm a scenic wheeler yeah, I uh, I always uh, joke around with Brad Lovell. I said, I'm a professional pre-runner. Leave me alone. <laughs> it's safer uh, and less expensive that way. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know who else you should get on this one day would be uh, my buddy Ian L- Lilgerblad with his uh, – he's got – you know, I'm sure you've seen Big oh, yeah. Willie, the two, two, two scale or whatever you want to call it, two, two to one scale flat bender. Right. He, I mean, I used to co-dog or uh, a spot for him back in the, you know, back in the arc days and that kind of stuff. He would know all, like, he'd probably have all the same stories, but either way, just told in a different way. They're always fun. Well, why don't you shoot me his uh, contact information and I'll, uh, yeah. and I'll look at putting him on. That's for sure. Getting him on my yeah, list at least. Good. Yeah. He's one of my, and he's on, I mean, we've got a big group of flat fender dorks now. Cause now, now we've got a, we're like a, uh, I always laugh when somebody calls us elitist flat fenders because nobody ever said elitist and flat fender in the same sentence. The sentence oh, only when they were talking about payway back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And payway's <laughs> one. You know, he's one of our one of our flat fender dorks. We do a lot of fun runs. Sometimes occasionally payway comes out, and uh, uh, even Randy Ellis has one now. Or he's Ryan had one Miller. Yeah. yeah, Miller's got one. Uh, there's there's a bunch of them. we did a uh, Ian Loserblad actually. Um, put it all together but it was the uh what he calls the go devil run and it's flathead flat fender only and it's like all stalkers and we basically just party our way through the desert and go do some fun obstacles and that kind of stuff but it uh it the intention was like to take a picture if you took a picture at any given time and then just turned it black and white it should technically look like we were in the 40s and so I, I didn't, I don't, I don't have any cowboy wear because that's when I think of the forties, I just, my mind goes straight to cowboys, but all those Arizona guys have cowboy wear because they're all shit kickers. <laughs> but it, uh, so any pictures with those guys in it, uh, it does, man, it, it looked, you know, it's just a bunch of stock flat fenders with dorks driving them and cowboy hats and stuff. Actually, yeah. we did the, uh, we did an article. Uh, we ran an article in four low that uh, Ryan Miller put together on the go oh, double yeah. run. Yep. That right. Yeah. So, you know, I, yeah, I read that. Yeah. 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 yeah the I, other one I just read from four low, um, and kudos for bringing back and putting on such a, a high quality magazine, Rich. Oh, thank you. Um, 
but the other one I ran and I just, I just ran part of it and I was thinking flat fender in my head the whole time, but it was, you guys did the peace trail, the Arizona peace trail. Yeah. We did from 60 back around to Yuma. Yuma. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Yuma. Yeah. We started, we just did it at, uh, at New Year's. We were trying to get out of California cause they got all, all the, all the camping is shut down in California for COVID, but, um, we wanted to get out of California. So we headed to Quartzsite, Arizona and went from Quartzsite and ran the peace trail all the way to Parker desert bar. And just that trail system is super cool. It is. It is. I, I want to do that. That's the next the next part I want to do. Except my Raptor was nice and had a just a few little pinstripes. Uh-huh. It's now going to get wrapped. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, so my pre-runner is probably a little bit wider than your than your Raptor. And I was on the outside of those trails the whole time, or the, uh, my tires were on the outside of the trail the whole time. And yes. it, that's where all the chop was from the side-by-sides and stuff that go through there. <laughs> um, and it, it literally like, it was shaking my pre-runner to pieces. It, it broke two of the, you know, basically the same part, but the bedsides basically broke off when I was done with it. But wow. Still a great trail. And and the only reason I'd, I'd read about it in your magazine, I was like, oh, that's where I'm going. We're going to go run those trails. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad that was some motivation for you. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So see, it's working. Yep. <laughs> Love to hear that. So ever since we had uh, Fred Williams on, he asked oh, yeah, me Fred. a question. Uh-huh. So I throw it out there now to my guests. Is there a question that you want to ask me? What do you think, like, where do you think um, the actual technical rock crawling technology will go next? As far as like, I mean, there's, there's like Cody's cars and and um, I don't know if Jesse made his last one. That stuff that Jesse Haynes is doing is really really super cool for rock crawling. Oh, the new portals um, and everything and the balances yeah. he's getting and stuff. Like how do you how do you advance on that? Where where's the next thing? I feel like you know, I mean, there's always smarter people than I am for sure. So there's got to be a next level. Where do you think it's at? Like what's the? And you're seeing it up front. So, and I'm sure paying very close attention to it. How, how are these cars going to get better without giving anyone ideas? I think that what guys are doing now is with the portal technology, that they're able to go to lighter and lighter drivetrains. So there's actually somebody out there, Kevin Reimer, that has built his unlimited buggy using Suzuki axles. And using all Suzuki drivetrain, from what I understand. Okay. So he's going super lightweight. I think you're going to see a lot of that happening, you know, just to get lighter and lighter and lighter. And they're going to make qualifying weight by, you know, what what's in the tires. Kind of like Tiny did originally. But yeah, I, yeah. I think you're going to see the next big thing will be EV, electric vehicle. I think you're going to see guys come out with kind of like what Tony K did originally. You know, he was the first one to build an electric vehicle, but it was, it was way too early. The technology for EV is so much advanced, farther advanced now that somebody's going to cough up the money and, and put something together that, that will be not only form, but function properly. Ah, All right. That'll be interesting to see because I like the, I assume you can actually keep a small enough battery if you have enough batteries and swap them out between like courses, so you don't have to add a ton of weight. Yeah, because all, all you need is all you need is about ten, twelve minute of runtime. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then have the batteries on a quick connect tray or something and just slide them in and out. I, you know, you I, know I see it happening. You know, one thing I, I am always really curious about, and it falls right into my wheelhouse here. Um, there's a guy named Brennan Metcalf out of, yes. also out of, I think out of Durango, uh, Colorado. And he always kicks around. He's an engine engineered and, uh, he always kicks around really nice guy. I say that with love. Uh, but he always kicks around the, um, the theory of, uh, super deep gearing in the differential or, or even the, you know, outers as opposed to in the transfer case for, um, for the way the suspension reacts. And I think that is something it, he, he always wants us as, at Motive Gear to make a, like a, a crazy, crazy deep, um, you know, eight to one or, or higher or lower uh, gear uh, for like a Dana 60 and that kind of thing, um, which, you know, Motive Gear loves. We love to like to be the inv- innovators on that kind of stuff. But I also when I bring that to him, I've got to be like, and we're going to sell. 200 of them or 400 of them. You know? <laughs> I can't just be like, we should make this and give it to Brendan. <laughs> but, you know, it always leads me to believe like Jason at two works would come up with something really good. Or even Brendan would come up with something really good um, would be like an underdrive that mounts on the, you know, the front of the housing, the front of the yoke or your, you know, uh, front of the pinion and then comes out with the yoke. And that would be one way to, to deepen that gear right. uh, and semi affordably. But I, I, I always appreciate seeing what Brendan throws out there. It's just sometimes it's not cost effective. <laughs> right. No, I've, I've been following his stuff too. And uh, yeah. he's a, he is a super nice guy and very, very knowledgeable, very smart, way beyond my, way beyond me. I'm not an, an engineer type. Luckily I married an accountant that uh, uh-huh. is really good with books because that's one reason fab shops never, never make it all those Hundreds of guys yes. that started fab oh, yeah. shops because no, they're I great fabricators, but they don't know how to run a business. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, I yeah. want to say thank you so much for coming on board this morning and spending some time and getting this done. And I think you got some, we got a really killer interview here, and I think people are going to enjoy it. Oh, well, right on, Rich, man. I, I really appreciate you asking me or having me on, man. And uh, have fun at the Hammers. Oh, yeah. Don't get, see you out there at all? Nope, I'm not making it this year. Oh, because you're way back east right now, huh? Um, yeah, we're in Texas. We oh, have not- uh, we have a couple of photographers that'll be covering the event for us, and then we'll uh, we'll see everybody hopefully at Easter Jeep. They're still planning that and that's going right. ahead we with are, everything. Yeah, we are planning on that's that's everything's day by day with work, but I always assume you know we're planning to be at Easter Jeep. So Excellent. hopefully everything stays on a on a good course for all of us and all this stuff. Uh, you know, goes back to normalizes, uh, normalizes itself again. Yeah. I don't want to think about any other possibilities. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Eric, right take care. You, so I really appreciate it, man. And you have a fantastic morning and we will see you out on the trail. Hopefully soon, man. All right. Sounds good, Eric. Thank you. Right, bye. Bye. If you enjoy these podcasts, please give us a rating, share some feedback with us via Facebook or Instagram and share our link among your friends who might be like-minded. Well, that brings this episode to an end. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you next week with Conversations with Big Rich. Thank you very much.